Welcome to another episode of Book of Angin. Well, since last time we were on with Tibor, and thank you for all the listeners who paid attention to that fun dialogue. And uh, we've been to Alaska as a family. That has been wonderful. That was wonderful. We, I got to meet my uh, girlfriend's brother and sister and their family and my girlfriend's father was there as well which whom i respect tremendously he's he's an individual he's a very bright individual and he has his ways of going about things and he's very adamant and he's just a great figure and a great example for someone who is staying in his lane and he is successful at it it's not it's very unorthodox but his thoughts are beautiful his love for humanity is beautiful he often thinks about god so he and i we talk about god a lot because i'm a man of god i believe in god i i always had god in my life and the culture I come from. And so he and I, we always go back and forth because uh, he was part of a serious religious establishment for a long time. And uh, now he is, I think he's still figuring it out. He's still figuring it out. Uh, believing in God versus believing in God plus be a part of a community that believes in God in a certain way and since he watches me as a self-claimed believer he also uh, how to put this He's looking at it going, well, he's good. He's doing it. Engin is doing it. Why can't I do it? Which is interesting because to me, we all are conditioned with our, you know, with our, with, with our family upbringing, school, uh, all the social circles that we uh, interact with. And... Uh, it's, it's interesting what conditions us and once we're really conditioned, how hard it is for us to change that. Even though when we have more than enough answers to our questions to realize when our conditioning is not sufficient to handle the life at hand, we still struggle to change. And it's... I. I don't know if it's harder when you're an adult, probably, because longer, uh, longer the practice, harder it is to forget. And uh, what I mean by that is I used to, I still do, uh, I had this tick where I would play with my chin where I would play with my chin to a point I would just like pick at myself. And it started with me splitting my chin open while I was skateboarding. I was drunk. I tried to show off to my friends on my skateboard. I missed the landing and I landed on my chin. It just like cracked open and bled a lot bled probably more than it should have been considering the the size of the cut it was maybe half not more than half an inch of a cut up under my chin and even when I went home dad just said hey go get some stitches and I asked him it stopped bleeding I think I'm fine and he just left me be but that scar gave me something to f fuck with. I just kept picking at it and I kept picking at it and it took forever for that scar to heal, years. 
And every time I thought about something, it gave me something to play with. And now I have a beard, so I play with that a lot. But I'm not picking at it as much. Um, now, how did I change that behavior from like dramatic picking at my own skin or uh, plucking the hair out of that certain region? Uh, well, I'm definitely when anxiety was up. I did that and definitely if I'm like in a place where I'm trying to solve a problem and just overthinking something what have you I don't know why I my my mind works the way it does but I know things happen and things take place in my life where a Certain people's way of describing a situation, uh, if I find that more reasonable and better than my own story, I'm more than happy to replace it just in order to have a better life. So I was in therapy and I talked about this tick of mine picking my chin and the gentleman, well, we... I'm calling it tick, but up until that point, till therapy, I had never called it a tick. I always said, you know, I get nervous and I just play with my chin. I just pick at it. Um, he said, how long have you been doing this? I was like, just year, decades. And he said, oh, it's a tick. I know what a tick is. And uh, tick is, in psychology, it's something... That we know it's absurd. It's a physical movement that we just do unconsciously. We know it's happening, but we can't do anything about it. Or we can like concentrate for a split second to stop it. And then when our mind slips, the tick comes back because we're elsewhere. Knowing that having had the education to know what the tick is, but then... Uh, Someone calling it out for what it is helped me, uh, I guess, identify the problem and then approach it with that. And I started telling myself, dude, what you're doing is an illness. It's a sickness movement. It's, a, it's, a, it's how an illness manifests itself. The tick is that. So you can heal this. You can heal this by not doing it. Same with food and sugar and all that stuff. I have to have these conversations with myself. Look, if you don't, it's better for you. The choice, trying to make the better choice. Choices, but trying. Trying is the key factor. And I fail a lot. Like I failed this uh, Alaska trip. Uh, I had breakfast with pumpkin pie and pecan pie. Sounds like I'm complaining about having pie available to me even for breakfast at this beautiful home we stayed in. Uh, shout out to my girlfriend Sarah's brother, Dave. Uh, he was, he was, it was awesome. Amazing host, amazing leader of his family. Uh, aspiring guy, you know, just like he's one of those awesome American stories. He he started with nothing at the age of eighteen, and he just carved his groove, and he's grooving in it. And beautiful family, uh, and uh, how did we get here? Oh, so the Alaska trip, I was having a bunch of pie and the pie it's not the pie the amount of sugar i take in always during the holidays causes me to have a form of i don't know what a flu versus a cold is it starts with sore throat and then i get a little like coffee phlegmy and then it moves to my nose as sniffles. Day 
five, I start to feel like human and I can start to exercise slowly again to bring it back up to speed. And this happens every time uh, during holiday season. The amount of sugar I consume makes me vulnerable to germs. It really, really has a negative effect on my uh, immune system. And I filter this through by just getting sick every holiday season and almost to a point where like you recognize the pattern, you look, you see the holidays coming at you and you go, ah, fuck, I'm going to be sick again. But you don't know why. I sometimes thought, oh, it's the holidays. I don't work as much. So I drink and smoke too much. And that was crushing my immune system. Possible and most likely. But this trip, smoking wasn't available because we didn't travel with, with flour uh, in Alaska. Although Alaska has accepted uh, recreational use of marijuana, um, they we we didn't want to we didn't want to offend anyone at uh, Dave's home and smoke flour or smoke. They don't smoke at all. Nobody smokes anything. So we bought some edibles. So I wasn't necessarily taxing my body with smoke and just like five milligram of candy, making it life easy and making sure I don't, you know, I could come back from darkness. Cause I need weed to stabilize my mood. I, I know I swing quite a bit and then because I lack discipline, say if I were to exercise religiously every day then I really don't look for uh, any mood changers to maintain a great outlook but you know once I'm triggered and I go to the dark side weed so far is the best thing that allows me to come back to center and I guess I just discovered it during this Alaska trip to forgive myself first. Um, I say forgive myself because we all snap, right? We all get a little irritate, irritable about things and we just say it in a way and then we go, ah, fuck, I, I wish I didn't say it like that. Like, you know that you could have said it better, but you're just human skin and bones. You just snap. And... Now, when, when that happens to me, when I snap, as while I'm thinking, oh man, I can say this better without all this crazy, not, it used to be crazier. It's not as bad, but I mean, it's, I, I don't know. I wouldn't put up with it if somebody else was doing it to me. Who knows? My girlfriend is an angel, by the way. Because she forgives me. She forgives me because I. she knows that I am trying. She recognizes that. And God knows I'm trying. Who wants to be this ugly, crazy guy, right? Um, so anyway, uh, I was filtering the whole uh, holiday thing in, in a way, because our situation didn't allow us to smoke weed as much as I would have, I would have have if we stayed at home. And I had, you know, I could, I, I had the freedom to just create smoke. So there was no smoke, no taxing of the lungs. Uh, because, you know, I, my perception of the family, they're like very... God loving and hard working, hardcore drinking wasn't available either. We did have few cocktails, but not how I normally drink during the holidays. All my holiday gatherers around here are famous with their alcohol consumption. So we didn't do that either, but the sugar intake was just over the top 
And it always is during the holidays. The cookies, people make like girls made cookies. I ate half of them. I can't help myself. I have to have the conversation with myself. Hey, is this good for you? Is this the good choice? And most of the time, I make the bad choice. The only way I can do this is by not having cookies at my house. But then I'm not going to say, no girls, don't make cookies because it's their like bonding session too when Sarah teaches the girls how to bake and stuff. It's beautiful to watch how, you know, they all take turns and things and the girls are like learning the uh, machines and the mechanics of uh, how things merge and like become a bakeable good. They're keen to learn too, and it's wonderful, wonderful to witness it. Um, but at the, the end production is just bags of cookies or cakes and pies. So you just eat these things. You can't help it. They're everywhere. You go to change your tires, and because it's the holidays, there's a basket full of cookies and donuts, caramelized donuts and whatnot with, next to the coffee machine. What are you going to do? You're there for an hour. Of course you're going to have a donut and a cup of coffee. Because if you don't, you're just like, come on. But it's bad for you. It just bads for you. And I found out in a hard way, and I, I'm blaming that, the way I ate all the pies and the cakes and the cookies that were available to us. Last day of the trip. I got the sore throat, and I'm like, here we go. But now we're also afraid of corona, right? So I said, here we go. But since I'm not so... I have many questions about the corona situation. So I just said, all right, let's see what's going on. I know I'm getting sick. I know my body. I've been running around with this with this equipment for the past 46 years, I know what this machine can do. And the sore throat came, and then Monday we traveled home. It was just, you know, I had a bunch of, uh, no fever, no fever, and I'm not coughing, but just to soothe the sore throat. And my throat is just red, because usually when it gets, uh, when I get sore throat, it gets all like yellow and shit, just like crazy. But probably it helped that I wasn't smoking because I would have sore throat. And then, hey, who has the brightest idea to go ahead and smoke on the top of that sore throat? This guy right here. Yours truly. Engin. Dumb, dumb maneuver. You're killing the temple. Anyway, in this case, we do not have that. Um, so we fly back and Monday we came, we came home in one piece, shout out to Tibor, uncle Tibor came and picked us up from the airport, brought us home as a big family and then we had dinner and we watched a movie, everything is good. That night I started to cough so in order not to bother Sarah. I kind of hung out in the living room and then I took I took some uh, some kind of don't don't worry about the drug it just like helped my fever that kind of drug I don't want to endorse any drug and have people go try it out when maybe they should go see a doctor I didn't have to see a doctor and I just treated it normally if I like call like seasonal cold or flu I broke a sweat around like 3 o'clock in the morning, and then the rest of it, again. Now the cough with a phlegm, the sneezy nose, run-of-the-mill uh, cold, holiday season cold, flu is happening. This time, I didn't have any aches. Last year, when I had it, oh my god, I had the aches, I had the cough, I was playing in a musical, and... The lead scene, uh, the lead act was from Broadway, and she was very, very meticulous 
And but and then on the top of it, she was so good at what she did. It was incredible how good she was. But some of the stuff could be perceived as extra. Like you couldn't even breathe. Take a like, like you couldn't sigh in the pit. Breathing was needed to be controlled. And here I am with like coughing attacks. And I'm just coughing into my uh, hat at one point. It was ridiculous to just muffle everything. And while the band is going at full speed, I am just strumming the open strings that's suitable for the song. And then with my left hand, I was covering my face with my hat and just coughing and sneezing into it. It was terrible. I shouldn't be there. But here's an occupation if you're not there. And it, it happens just like that. So just could not find a sub for it. Nothing. That's the way that went. You know? So, yeah, I, I, I am now recovering from the cold. And yesterday, Sarah and I went for a nice bike ride. We were away for... Two hours, we rode out to Grayton and had some cappuccino and then rode back. And Sarah's getting used to her, you know, new, new adventure on the bicycle. That's fun to see. That is really fun to see. She's good, too. She's like, she's good. Ladies and gentlemen, I worked in the cycling industry for decades. And... If there are any cyclists out there listening to this, and if they have ever tried to teach someone how to clip in and out of a bicycle pedal, people will tell you some nightmare stories about how someone is not getting it. I had people doing rides with one foot in a flat pedal, the other one foot uh, in a clipless pedal just so because that was their comfort zone about committing to clipping clipping into a pedal. On the contrary, Sarah, amazing, quick study, because she has a body space awareness, she could easily locate where the cleat on the uh, shoe is and then connect that with the pedal. I was like, oh, this is great. I am not going to go crazy because Here's another thing. It's very difficult to describe that because it's not a power move. Like power move, there's power behind it. You got to use strength. This one is more finesse. You got to just hit it right, align it, and then it gets it. Anyway, so we went on a bike ride. That was fun. So I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good enough to do this say hello again and reconnect. Uh, it was fun having Tibor and I promise you if you're listening to this and if I can convince him to do more, I'm gonna teach him how not to uh, how not to just be affected by the microphone. Because he and I laugh a lot. We did laugh, but when he, he and I, like, when he's just, like, relaxed, he wasn't, like, he was acting like a radio uh, announcer. And uh, I know the difference. You guys, if you guys have never heard him speak before, he has two voices. Like, for example, um, I don't have two voices. I don't have a microphone voice or I don't have a... Uh, stage voice and then I have a norm day-to-day voice I just use the same voice either place I mean I can do the uh, and ladies and gentlemen now we're going to talk about how I have a radio voice I can do that I can do that but that is so uh that's so much work and could I practice it and do it? Yeah, if I need to. Nobody's paying me to speak in that fashion, so I don't need to say such things. Uh, Alaska was fun. Uh, the girls had a great time. 
They were always surrounded by snow. Uncle Dave uh, got them on uh, six-wheeler ATVs. We just kind of cruised around on snow. The oldest one kind of learned how to handle one of those by herself. And uh, the little one, she was just uh, just happy to be there, you know? And she that's her outlook about everything right now. Everything is like, oh my God, woohoo! And that's beautiful. I, I just envy that because she's not lost in, ooh, I mean, she has that a little bit, but her conditioning, and that's what we started this whole thing with, her conditioning is so new, so wild. Uh, it's not polluted by what do other people think about me? And it's her, her value system, like what she likes, what she doesn't like is are so personal. She doesn't like something because some bunch of other people like it or she doesn't dislike something because a bunch of other people dislike it. But is she learning? Yeah, she's modeling because when our oldest, who the young one admires, if she makes choices, then the young one makes similar choices. So I could see that. And I am going through this battle to, it's so interesting to be a consistent parent when you have a 13 year old and a four year old in the house. Because the age gap calls for two different training. One of them, you are trying to um, diminish the previous conditioning, the bad conditioning before you, um, you know, because by the time you reach 13, you have a certain amount of conditioning. And my oldest uh, is Sarah's daughter. So for the at the beginning I wasn't there. We're still getting to know one another. And but I still have to parent. And but with the and then the little one, the little one is mine and uh, the easy part with the little one is I know her from seed. So I can neglect certain things while I'm focusing on some fundamentals right now. I'm no expert in parenting. I'm just trying to do my best. I don't think anybody knows what they're doing when it comes to parenting. If anybody is uh, currently listening to this and thinking about parenting, I say don't read too many books don't read too many books because they are so open to misinterpretation and and they're like it's like baking those books are like baking if you miss a step you may fuck up the cake so for for the sake of raising your child, I am more into going with what I know and what worked for me with slight adjustments and adaptation as things reveal in itself. Like nothing prepared me when my 13-year-old uh, wanted to hang out with her boyfriend after school I said what boyfriend what is going on here why do you have a boyfriend since when 13 year olds have a boyfriend you don't look like you should have a boyfriend you're just a baby you're a child little girl why do you have a boyfriend what is going on but I couldn't say any of this stuff I had to say 
Huh. And she just wanted to spend one more hour after school and she asked me kindly if I could come an hour later than usual to pick her up because this is what she wanted to do. I said, well, I don't know why I had to just be in there, but I felt the need to be involved. Like I need to have some sort of control of what's happening. That was the, the, the primer urge was that like, I need to get ahead of this. So I said, this is the best thing I could come up with. I said, okay, that's fine. But I have one condition. I said, she said, what is it? I said, could you please ask your boyfriend to stay with you and wait with you at the school after you guys are done hanging out till I get there to pick you up. My daughter, she just like opened her eyes and she just asked me, what are you, what are you going to do to him? I said, I'm not going to do anything to him. I just want to say hello. And, but my primal urge was everything I said before all this, right? I was like, who is this? Why? 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 Why do 13-year-olds have boyfriends? What is going on? I don't know. What was I doing when I was 13? Uh, my last year in middle school, I was a fuck-up. I was skateboarding. I had discovered pussy. So, yeah, tricky year. I flunked math. I flunked math. The only time I have ever flunked, well, maybe in college I may have to do a couple of uh, do-over exams. However, that was funny. So, for the first time in the family's life, in the family's life, not just my family with my you know parents and my sister, the entire family's history, I flunked a class. This is end of middle school. I have I had discovered pussy and I flunked math that year. So I came home with the report card. There it is, the math, just sitting on it. And uh, my dad looked at the report card, looked at me, and he said, what, do you, what are we going to do about this? What do you need, he said. I said, I need to be tutored. There's no way. I know myself. There's no way I have the motivation to learn this shit by myself with just studying math while everybody's playing uh, during summer vacation. Because in Turkey, if you fail a class, you get the luxury of studying all summer long and come back at the end of the summer and uh, take a makeup test of the final. If you get a passing grade, you could pass that uh, year, whatever that subject is. And in this case, it was math for me. So he said, well, we're not going to stop our uh, summer plans. He, he still had the uh, summer home for us. He said, Let's find you a tutor. So he he did a research. And it was it was incredible. It was incredible how he found this gentleman, math genius of some sort. He, he asked me to meet him at his office one evening. We went to see this teacher. He asked me like series of questions to see where I was with that year's uh, curriculum for math. And basically assessed my level and then looked at my dad and said seven days before the exam bring him to me every day for an hour or two hours what have you my dad said okay and then we moved to the summer resort and I had one of the best summers of my life I just like hung out um, tried to get laid more swam did everything I had a blast and then seven days before the exam I moved back to the 
city with my dad because my dad was traveling uh, Monday through Friday and then he would come and uh, stay with us on weekends at the summer home he rented for us. Sometimes he'd come like Thursday night and leave Monday morning, make long weekends like that too. So every day for seven days I went and uh, saw this guy and day eight morning we wake up, dad takes me to school, I take the test and then I never look back. My dad said, how did it go? I said, I know I passed it. And then uh, maybe like a couple of weeks later, school started and I was, my list was on the, you know, on the, like, uh, what is it? Freshman of high school. Now, I had passed, I must have passed if my name continued to be in the roster of the freshman of high school. Uh, and my dad asked me almost, yeah, all the way uh, till he died, like, or mentioned it. He goes, you never went to see the result of that math class, math exam. I said, yeah. And he goes, aren't you curious at all? I'm like, all I had to do was pass. And I did. And let, the, let that be known that in seven days, I managed to learn the entire uh, ninth grade math in seven days and then pass the final exam. So, here we are. Here we are. Here we are. Uh, I had talked about therapy, right? Like finding out about my tick. So, when the guy said it's a tick, I took a new look at it and then fixed it. And that was the only thing about therapy. Whereas, it's, it's very strange because at the time I was having, going to therapy for myself with this individual, I was also in therapy with my, one, my, my ex, ex-girlfriend, ex-partner, my baby mama, and, uh, and it was such a two different settings because I had to do checks and balances. I Because I've always been in an environment where uh, the other party who did not carry much of uh, self-responsibility and accountability, personal responsibility, uh, they just somehow made me believe that something was wrong with me. So I got this guy on one-on-one on Wednesdays, and then on Mondays, me and my ex-girlfriend are going to couples therapy. Out of one, I fixed my tick. The guy also showed me some breathing techniques to battle anxiety, when I think anxiety is coming. I got like this breathing exercise where I like kind of sit anywhere, relax, like not relax, but put your hand on your tummy and then take a deep breath, but make sure you're not chest breathing, you're tummy breathing. Like your tummy goes up when you take a breath and then let it go and then your tummy goes down and That just makes you feel good. If you're if you have anxiety, just taking those deep breaths makes you feel much better than when you realize that you're having anxiety. So I learned that. And then the guy, uh, I also talked to him about the, my work environment quite a bit. And he said, uh, hey, it seems like they do not value your... Uh, your worth. So go do something else, he said. And I told him, I'm going to wait till they fire me because I just want that six months free vacation to think about things, my whatever, the severance package. So 
He said that that was cool. And then, as far as, because uh, I was also informing him about how I was in couples therapy with um, my baby mama. And uh, he just suggested, hey, if you think this person is not cooperating with you, not even willing to work, come to the table to work it out, it might be best for the sake of the child to just be apart. Like he also like okayed that. So when you go to therapy, you go there seeking health, right? You want to heal, you want to get better. And the guy says like, yeah, just pull the plug, get out. On the other hand, at the couples therapy, I always felt targeted. Like, it was, we were always fixing me. No one made it in that same uh, time frame. Not once a suggestion was made towards the um, baby mama for her to work on. I, it made me laugh when uh, Bill Burr said that about his uh, couples therapy. He said something like, um, yeah, my, my wife is like this perfect entity and all we're doing is working about on me. And I'm like, that can't be fair. That can't be fair because the other side isn't perfect either. So, but hey, here we are. Uh, like I said, I'm I'm lucky. I have my girlfriend. Um, yeah, she forgives me, and that's one thing I learned uh, in this Alaska trip. It takes me so long to forgive, and it it's a mistake. It's a huge mistake. It's a huge mistake on my part, and uh, and it take the reason it takes too long for me to forgive. It's because I don't forgive myself quick enough. Since I don't forgive myself, why would I forgive you quicker than I forgive myself? It's the same thing. Like when someone lies to themselves. It's easier to lie to others. Hey, I can lie to myself. Why can't I lie to you? That's so easy. I discovered <clears throat> forgiveness works the same way. Because, because you do not forgive yourself, you do not forgive others quickly. But it's a huge mistake. It's what a waste of time. Be, and considering the shit that triggers me and where I blow a gasket and then not being able to come back from it. And here's what I can't come back from. Once I get upset because I, I want to, I want to, I live in ways that I don't ever want to be upset with anyone. And I want to be able to communicate whatever it is that upsets me in a calmly manner. But then I run into certain individuals and they do certain ways and oh boy, you know, it's tough. It's tough to remind myself to calm and chill. But that's what I want to be. And once I'm upset, it's no longer about the person that upset me. I'm upset about being upset because I'm not supposed to be upset. I'm supposed to be cool. <coughs> Excuse me. That's my, um, that's the pressure I'm putting on myself. I am supposed to be calm and cool, but now I lost my shit. Now I'm mad at myself for losing my shit because hindsight being 2020, the shit that I'm so upset about, can it be handled nice and cool? I think so. Why am I this fucking fiery? Because I grew up watching people being fiery at one another. That's my example. I didn't 
get a chance to look at people resolving situations in a calm and nice manner, finding the good vocabulary to um, communicate what is needed to reach a solution. Now, I had discovered this long time ago. But then I've also, you know, your conditioning and the environment that you come from sometimes makes you believe that something is wrong with you. And it is likely that something is not wrong with you. But you may not have the vocabulary to really express how you feel. And when that happens, it's the same thing with language, right? Like when you, um, when you meet a foreigner like myself, had you heard me speak in English, say, 15 years ago, I probably cursed a lot more. Because those were my filler words. I didn't have enough vocabulary to build the sentence quickly and efficiently enough. So I had to throw in a bunch of F-bombs and this and that. Now, do I not curse now? No, I curse. I still curse. Um, but I curse to curse. Not to use it as a filler. Because there's a point where you just, something really calls for a good old-fashioned, fuck off, you know, just fuck off, man. Like, it's just, there's, I've been to those situations. And uh, to this day, where those fuck-offs were said, no better words could be used, given the circumstances. You may have been there before, and that's okay. It's the it's the f bombs, it's the unnecessary f bombs that worries me. And since I can't forgive myself fast enough, I can't forgive other people fast enough. So this Alaska trip taught me that. Well, put it this way: I knew it. It didn't teach me. But uh, something happened, and I'm more committed to fix that. And I'm talking shit here right now about this on the podcast. It's, it's a way to uh, obligate myself to do so. Because I feel like I committed to get better at that. I'm trying. I'm trying and I do want to get better at it so I don't break hearts because the way I sometimes handle it it does break hearts but is it possible to get on with things without a heartbreak or are we just like too soft I'm trying not to be too soft with the girls because I am somehow convinced that Life is not always hunky-dory. I don't care who you, who you are. I don't know anyone who has not been told to fuck off. You know? Uh, but I know few people who have never been called a cunt before. You know? No one has called me a cunt. Not that I know of, or maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? Who knows? But, you know, like someone said it, uh, if the word cunt offends you, don't do cunty things, then you won't hear that word. I'm like, all right, that makes sense. That makes sense. It is late. It is uh, one o'clock in the morning, and the date is December six. 
it it is interesting because socially we are in such an awkward space there is this huge movement to control public by a bunch of people who cannot even speak publicly it's so interesting to watch this is what it looks like to me right now how the society is being controlled or is being driven imagine um, a completely unqualified driver trying to back up a 18 wheeler it's 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 just a you don't know you you do you don't have the skill set to drive an 18 wheeler you do not have the education to do so you do not have the experience to back that thing up into a parking space nice and safely that's what it looks like it's just mistakes after mistakes and these individuals they use they use certain words where the tension is so high with people the tension is so high today we were trying to get into Barnes and Noble and the guy is like well you know I'm when one person comes out and then I don't know and I said well sir how are you gonna manage this if it's if it's four of us and then every time one person comes out you're gonna look for a single person in line to get in um, how are you planning on managing this and he said well you know it's the holidays it's the corona and I didn't expect people to uh, shop in flocks I said what you're referring to as a flock is a family and also humans are not birds and this lady who were uh, behind me she goes whoa I'm like don't whoa me bitch don't whoa me you might be okay being a sheep her being heard by uh, incapable shepherds I'm not I'm not I hate weak leadership I hate weak leadership and I don't like using the word hate but the weak leadership everybody suffers when there's weak leadership everybody suffers the good leadership is where everybody benefits. The entire group is lifted. That's a good leadership. And I don't mind being a cog in that. I love being, I love playing support. If you think about my instrument, my instrument is a support instrument. When I'm practicing, I'm practicing to support. I don't practice soloing on my instrument I don't I don't have any ambition to solo but it has to be under good leadership because if you can't solo on the top of the support I'm providing you don't call yourself a leader I don't call myself a leader because I don't solo but if you want to solo you best be able to keep up with the changes or say I don't know then let's figure it out all together that's how I see the world that's how I see the world but hey this whole COVID thing I went and got tested so I'm waiting for the results as well and I'm hoping I test positive then that will be my evidence to you know well maybe yeah the swine flu 
equals to COVID-19 or whatever, whatever the else they made up back in the day to sell more um, hospital equipment. Imagine this. The face mask makers. I'm just talking about the uh, clinical ones, the, the medical ones. Not the fucking bunch of cloth hippie hearts and butterflies and other smiles and some exotic improv of a face mask. I'm talking about run-of-the-mill medical face masks and how many of that is being used. Somebody has to pay for that. Somebody has to produce it and the production needs to be paid. So somebody's making shit ton of money. Those tests, those tests, they're t yeah, everybody tells you it's free, but either your insurance pay for it or it comes from the tax money. It's somebody's getting paid. It's a, it's a private sector that is getting paid for those tests. Alaska mandated that we were tested before we arrived to Alaska. We all went and got tested and Alaska was threatening you if you show up without a pending test, then it was mandatory for you to, you know, the wording was never there, but they were offering tests for $250 for a non-Alaska resident person to be COVID tested. Now, uh, my girlfriend's brother said, uh, they try to do the whole testing with him when he's traveling in and out of Alaska for, uh, business he said i just walked by them because legally they cannot hold me to anything so i was like yes sir you are a true american like legally no one can tell you what to do about this pandemic thing so if, you, if somebody mandates that you need to present some sort of a COVID testing um, to be a part of something, uh, you, yeah, that's illegal. People can't do that. And they're trying to, you know, just put more, more money on it. Uh, my tenant, he is... Uh, they're going to put him on two weeks uh, mandatory quarantine by his work and they're still going to pay him just in order to stay open in case he, during his travel, he might have been exposed to COVID. Man, this is just the seasonal flu. I believe it, man. I got it. I probably got it on an airplane at an airport where everybody's touching something, you know. It's just too many strange things. I ate all that sugar. The spike of uh, more colds and this and that, it's thing. People are dying. People who have health issues are dying. People are not dying because they have the, they have the sniffles, they have the flu. People with serious, serious health conditions. People are who are of age. And when I say of age, I met a 75-year-old man today and he didn't look like a day older than 65. He was sharp. But then I also know a 45-year-old guy. He got he has one foot in the grave. I think we're just not being told the accurate information and this is not matter of controlling the people. This is a scam to make money. This is what's going on right now. But while somebody is making money, this is this this is the part. Like Amway was a, everyone's like Ponzi scam, da, da 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 It wasn't a scam. It's just like if you line up that many people working for you, you might get paid. Makes sense. This one, in order to make money, 
they are coming between you and your own money, which is, which is a crime, which is a crime. Why? Like how many millions does one need? But addiction is an addiction, right? Maybe it's a tick. Maybe it's a tick to make a ton of money. Anyway, thank you for listening to another episode of Bukovengin. I hope this finds all of you well. Thank you for the love. And uh, I hope to talk to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye.